bless you and thank you. The opportunity to experience the spiritually reviving, mentally energizing, therapeutic nature of worship. To remind ourselves that there is somebody bigger than we are to whom we are accountable and to whom we can put our trust. We bless you, God, for even having the life, health, and strength to be able to lift our voices. And God, we, we want to worship you today, not just for ourselves, but we want to worship you for those who are yet alive, who don't have the strength to lift their voices. God, we want to worship for them today. And for those, God, who have closed their eyes in the land of the dying and now live in the land of life evermore, those who know you and knew you and the pardon of their sins, God, we give you the glory and praise. We, we pray for those families today. We pray for those individuals. And God, we pray for this body and for those who are streaming both now and those who will watch later. We pray, God, that this word will find a place in their heart to encourage them to become all you want them to become. Use your word, God, as you see fit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise those who are here today. There's an old song that says, if we ever needed the Lord before, we sure do need him now. And I don't think there's any question as we have watched this unfolding of the coronavirus, COVID-19, we have seen not only the statistics regarding the medical information, but as we are watching unfold the economic tsunami that is upon us. Uh, we, we've got to be wondering, we, we've got to be asking the question, uh, Lord, what are we going to do? How, how are we going to make it through these difficult and challenging times? Because the truth of the matter is we are struggling in, in a number of areas and, and we're not just struggling, but we don't know how long it's going to be. Uh, when, when Hurricane Harvey was was on the way as it was beginning to hit landfall, a landfall, the, the, the outskirts of the storm. I, literally, I sat on my porch four straight days and watched the rain fall. And the only thing I could do was look out the window and see if the rain was rising to flood levels in front of the house, just, just watching the water. But, but literally, for four straight days, couldn't get out. I remember as I was watching the news reports and they were counting down as the storm was coming and then when it came on land and how long it was going to stay strong and as it was breaking down from one category to the next category and when they finally said you could come out, man, folk were running out of their houses. They had gone stir crazy, right? And that was just four days. We're dealing with something now that, that it looks like is going to keep us in for months, right? That, that even after you quarantine yourself for 14 days, 
The question is then what? If I stay in for 14 days, can I come out? Am I safe? Well, well, no, we're not saying you're safe. We're, we're just saying, you know, quarantine for you. We may have to extend that. How long? I don't know. Another 14, another 28 days. And if I come out after 30 days, am I safe then? And what's become evident is the issue is not really will you contract COVID-19, it seems to be clear. Everybody's going to get it. They just don't want us all to get it at one time, right? When you look back at the statistics regarding the Spanish flu and how it was handled in the United States, there were two cities that are used to describe and to display the stark contrast in how the Spanish flu was handled, Philadelphia and St. Louis. Philadelphia went on with activities as usual, and it had a big uh, parade and festival that was coming up. And the officials in Philadelphia decided not to cancel it. They decided to go on with it. They didn't see the harm, and they saw a tremendous spike in the Spanish flu people who contracted the disease. St. Louis decided to shut down, self-quarantine, practice what we would call social distancing. And that disease was spread out in St. Louis at a very manageable rate. But people still got the disease. People are staying home now. Businesses are shutting down. And it sounds good in theory, but how are we going to pay bills? How are we going to pay our notes? How are we going to eat? Right? Do I have to choose between rent and food? I got these children at home, and they, they, like, they're really, really strange creatures. They want to eat three, four meals a day. Right? And now we don't have schools to send them to, so how are we going to feed them? And, and people are scrambling trying to figure out what we're going to do. But my brothers and sisters, I want you to know today that in the midst of this ever-changing, ever-fluid pandemic and how it's affecting our society, the good news is when you have a relationship with God, you have something that's settled, you have something that's stable, you have something you can depend on. Today, I want to continue a message I started last week entitled, How to Know You Have the Help You Need. How to Know You Have the Help You Need. Because the truth of the matter is, one of the things we are learning the longer we are engaged in this, that our help is as much mental and spiritual as it is physical. Because the truth of the matter is, in the midst of everything that's going on, you can have all that you need physically, but if you are not right in your spirit, if you are not right mentally, if you are not right emotionally, then this journey is going to be much harder to make. I've been going through some times over this last week, and I stepped back and I said, man, what is going on? What's wrong with you? Couldn't really get going. Couldn't really get active. Couldn't get engaged like I normally am. And what I realized was I was going through my own little cycle of grief. I was going through my own little time of denial. I was going through my own little time of anger. I was going through my own little time of depression. And I have to get to a place of acceptance and say to myself, if this is the reality, then how do we manage this reality with the help of God? If you have your outlines, would you say amen? If you need an outline, raise your hand and the ushers will get one to you. Our foundational text today is Psalm 121, a very familiar 
passage of Scripture. It's interesting that Psalm 120 is a psalm that was written as a psalm of complaint. But when we get to Psalm 121, we move from complaint to comfort and consolation. The writer of this psalm is laying out for us what it means to find your comfort and consolation in the Lord. And somebody in here today, if you're looking for comfort and consolation, I want you to know there's no better place to find it than in the Lord. It's hard to find it in somebody else who's experiencing the same things you're experiencing. It's hard to find it in somebody else who is, who is trying to keep their social distance just like you're trying to keep your social distance. But my brothers and sisters, we have the Lord on our side, and I want to encourage you to find your help and your hope in the Lord. Several things we dealt with on last week that I want to go over quickly just in the form of review. For those of you who would like to go into it more in depth, you can find it on our website or on our app, and you can go back to the history and look and listen to those messages in full. I said, number one, you must realize the source of your help is the Lord. The source of your help is the Lord. Psalm 121, beginning at verse 1, I will lift up or I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. The writer says, I will lift up my eyes to the hills. In Jerusalem, Jerusalem is set up on the mountain and it is surrounded by hills. But it's important for us to understand that where the King James translation missed it, it misses the question mark or the interrogative. In other words, if you memorize it in the King James translation, it said, I would lift up my eyes to the hills from where my help comes. But it is important for you to understand that the hills were never the source of help. As a matter of fact, the question was really asked to bring emphasis to the answer that the hills are not my source of help, but the one who made the hills is my source of help. I will look to the hills. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills, but my help comes from the Lord. And my brothers and sisters, somebody in here today, if you haven't learned anything over the last 30 days or so, you should be reminded on a day-by-day -day basis that your ultimate help is going to have to come from the Lord. I was watching the news this past week, and they asked a gentleman to describe his harrowing experience in combating COVID-19. He had gone into the hospital, was diagnosed with pneumonia, and went through this treatment, and he was in a lot of pain, and there was a lot of uncertainty as to whether or not he was going to make it, and he has been released from the hospital. He is on the mend. He's still in isolation in his home. His wife serves him dinner. She comes in with a mask on, but he is doing so much better, and they asked him how he made it, and what did they ask him that for? He started talking about the healing power of God, how he 
was a man of prayer, how he prayed and the church prayed and, and how God came in and delivered him and raised him up. And you know, when you start asking questions on CNN, the last thing you want to hear is about the Lord, right? They weren't trying to give God that much playtime. They weren't trying to give him that much airtime. But every time they came back, he talked about the Lord and what the Lord has done in his life. Now, listen to me carefully. I don't want you to miss this because I'm not saying the Lord is going to heal everybody. But what I am saying is that the Lord can heal. The Lord can deliver. And if I'm going to put my trust anywhere, I'm going to put my trust in the Lord. He says, I'm going to lift up my eyes to the hills from whence comes my help. My help comes from the Lord. The Tetragrammaton, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existing one, the one who was in the beginning before the beginning began, that the independent God of the universe, he says, that's the source of my help. I'm going to refocus on God. And somebody today, if you don't do anything else in this crisis, refocus on God refocus on God. Man, you can watch CNN and MSNBC and Fox so long, man, you get depressed just watching it. Every time you turn around and they add one by one, we got one more person, we got one more person. Man, you better put your eyes on the Lord. If you're going to look at the data, look at it through the lens of faith and put your faith in God. Psalm 124, verse 8 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Second thing we talked about last week, you must realize the Lord is watching over you. The Lord is watching over you. Verse 3, he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Six times in eight verses in Psalm 121, the word keep or keeper appeals, appears. It's the same word, shamar. It literally means to protect, to guard, to take care of. He says, even when you have a tendency for your foot to be moved, anybody that's walked on rocky terrain, anybody who's climbed in the mountains or done any hiking, you know how easy it is for your foot to slip. Well, here's what the writer does. He takes that image and now he applies it across the board. As easy as it would be for your uh, foot to slip in natural terrain, it is just that easy for your foot to slip in your Christian walk, in your walk with God. But the Bible says that the Lord will not let your foot be moved. Is there anybody in here who can testify that the Lord can keep your feet from moving? How many times have you wanted to go where you shouldn't go and do what you shouldn't do, and the Lord stepped in and kept you when you wasn't trying to keep yourself? Matter of fact, the truth be told, there's some stuff that you have done, you should have been gone already. Yeah, you don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. You should have been gone, could have been gone. But God sovereignly kept in, stepped in, and kept you. And then the good news, he says, is he who keeps you will not slumber. Will not slumber. Will not sleep. Yeah, there, there's this idea that when God is silent, God is asleep. 
But the psalmist says he neither slumbers nor sleeps. That was the charge Elijah made to the 450 prophets of Baal as they stood on Mount Carmel. He told them to cry louder because maybe their God was asleep because their God was not answering by fire. My brothers and my sisters, he says, we serve a God who neither slumbers nor sleeps. My late pastor, Dr. A. Lewis Patterson, used to say, if God neither slumbers nor sleeps, there's no need in both of us staying up all night worrying about something because God is working it out. While I am asleep, God is handling what needs to be handled. You can rest because God is watching over you. Isaiah 27 verse 3 says, I, the Lord, am its keeper every moment. I water it lest anyone punish it. I keep it night and day. Proverbs 3, look at verse 24 through 26. Let's read it together. If you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror or of the ruin of the wicked when it comes for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Somebody ought to claim sweet sleep. Yeah, sweet sleep. Let's go to part two of our message today. Third thing, you must realize the Lord is beside you. We're talking about how to know you have the help you need. Realize the Lord is beside you. Verse 5, the Lord is your keeper, the Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The psalmist says our keeper is not only on the throne looking down on us, but he is at our side to shield us. He is us. He is with us. This does not mean you will not have to go through difficulty. This does not mean you will not have to have Tough times come your way in life, but what it does mean is when it comes, you will not have to go through it alone. One of my prayers for people going through this COVID-19 pandemic is their mental well-being and having to go through it alone. Matter of fact, I, I would suggest rather than going through it alone, Find a friend that seems healthy, and y'all just hunker down together. Yeah, get a roommate. Just get somebody to be, because it is hard to be in isolation by yourself. FaceTime is good, and Skype, I guess, works pretty good. But you don't ever want to go through a time like this by yourself. Well, just in case you are physically by yourself, the Lord wants you to know that you're not going through it without him beside you. And whatever God permits, God will provide a way through. He is with you. Everybody say, with me. God is with you. Go on, say it at home. Say, with me. God is with you. He is beside you. And look at the word imagery that the psalmist uses. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. God says, whatever it is, day by day, Week by week, month by month, by season, God is with you. The daytime can be a time of blistering heat in this part of the world, but it can also at night be a time of shivering cold. 
You can be in the same place and be hot, wanting to take off all your clothes in the daytime and at night looking for clothes to put on to get warm. And the text says God will be what you need as shade in the day and he'll keep you warm at night. Whatever it is and whatever you're going through, God will keep you. And somebody in here needs to recognize that this too will pass. This is not the first time you've gone through a tough time. This is not the first time you've had a difficulty come in life. This is not the first time you've gone through something that you would have rather avoided if possible. But the Bible says, if we are following the Lord and the Lord is beside us, he will walk with us through this. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 23, verse 4. He says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. God is with me. God is with you. God wants you to know you are not alone. You are not by yourself. He is with you. Those of you who are watching right now, God is with you through it all. And, and you know, there's comfort when you know somebody's with you. I mean, listen, it's one thing when you're walking by yourself, but when your boys are with you, man, you just feel better because you got, you got some folk with you, right? When your girls are with you, you got some, when your family is with you, you feel stronger, you feel better. God says, feel that way knowing that I'm with you. That I'm with you. Psalm 91. Look at verse 1. Let's read it together. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge. Underline my refuge. My place of safety. Underline my place of safety. He is my God. Circle my God. And I trust him. Circle trust him. Verse 3, let's keep reading. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. And here's what we need to understand. You can't say he is my refuge unless you needed refuge. Right? You can't say he's my place of safety unless you've been at a place where it hasn't been safe. You, you can't say he is my God, that personal pronoun of possession, unless he hasn't been your God. Now you can say with confidence, he is my God. And my brothers and my sisters, in the midst of all of it, here's what God wants you to do. Look at the end of verse 2. He wants you to trust him. Trust him. Some of us are worrying because we're not trusting. And there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. Yes, be concerned. Yes, take all of the, of, of the practices and do all of the things that the CDC is doing you, telling you to do, but please don't worry. Worry is illegitimate concern. Worry is concerned that has gone too far. 
Worry is taking you to a place where you stop trusting God and you start looking at the size of your problem more than the size of your God. Here's the fourth and final thing. Number four, you must realize the Lord cares and will keep you through everything. The Lord cares and will keep you through everything. Verse seven, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. For in from this time forth and forevermore. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He said the Lord will keep you from evil. The Lord will keep you from life. Life. Now, now listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. When I say the Lord will keep you from all evil, it's not just keeping you from, it's also keeping you through. Right? So when you look at the times that you have to go through in life, uh, a lot of times we want the glory without the story. Uh, let, let me give you an example. Uh, Joseph had to endure slander and the hatred of his brothers, uh, they were envious sold him into slavery, uh, he was lied on, thrown into prison, right, falsely accused, thrown into prison, and eventually he gets to the throne. Now, let me ask you a question. When he gets to the throne, look at Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. We, we, we've heard it phrased in the old colloquial way, you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Now, now watch this. If I could tell you right now, there's a throne waiting for you. Would, would you like to be on that throne? 99% of you would say, Ooh, yeah, what a throne. Yeah, you be thrown, you be in charge. You, you have power. You have influence. You be able to make decisions that change the lives of hundreds, if not thousands of people. Would you want that position? Yeah, I want that position. But if you saw what you had to go through to get there, like, like a, it, it, I, I don't know. I'm not saying he wouldn't have. I'm just asking you. If you had to be betrayed by your family, lied on, sold into slavery by your family, lied on by your boss's wife, falsely accused, go to jail, the fellow in jail who was supposed to remember you when he got out forgot all about you, you stayed in jail, falsely accused, and then got out of jail and made it to the throne. Would you want to go through all of that to get to your throne? See, the problem is we want the prize, but we don't want to go through the pain. Right? And, and, and here's what the Lord says. The Lord says, 
I am going to keep your life. I'm going to keep you from all evil. Evil may be around you, but I can keep you. I can keep you through all of this. But what is God trying to teach you in the midst of all of this? Not just about him, but about you. Paul says in Romans 8, 28, we love to quote it. We don't necessarily like to live it. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Do you love the Lord? I love the Lord. He heard my cry. I love the Lord. Do you believe God has a purpose for your life? Yes, Lord. I believe God has a purpose and a plan for my life. All right, then you believe everything you're going through. is all, well, I don't know about that preacher. Hold on now. Because I'm going through some tough times. No, 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 but you said you love God. And you said you believe God has a purpose for your life then you've got to believe also that God has a purpose for what you are going through. And he says all things work together for the good. I, I don't know what God is doing right now. I, I, I'll be honest with you, man, my brain, I can't even wrap my brain around it. I, I don't know. I mean, every day it's like new data and new information do, do, you, do you shelter in place? Do you self-quarantine? Do you close everything down? Do you open up? Shoot, I, look, I had enough trouble just praying and asking God, do we have church on Sunday and do we open up for anybody who wants to come? I mean, man, people were calling and texting. They were, hey, man, you open it up. You're you going to have church? I'm not going to have church. You're going to have church? I'm gonna have, so I, I decided, I decided Thursday, I decided, I said, well, you know, I think we're going to have church. I said, we'll have a conference call tomorrow. I'll, I'll let the staff know what we're going to do. And, and as it would happen, called me on Thursday night. Dr. Herb Luss called me from Philadelphia. And he wanted to check on me, see how I was doing. I wanted to find out how he was doing. And I said to him, I said, Pastor, I said, by the way, I said, you having church on Sunday? This is what he said. Is Walmart going to be open? <laughs> is CVS going to be open? He said, if they're going to be open, why wouldn't I be open? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then he, he went real old school. And he said, a charge to keep I have and a God to glorify, right? And I just started laughing. I said, yeah, that's my pastor. I know that's my pastor. He's going to be open. He's going he gonna to be open. Because watch this, when I went to H-E-B, they were open. And there was more than 15 of us in that store at the same time, more than 10 of us in that store. And wasn't nobody handling, worrying about handling the plastic covers on the toilet paper or the bleach or nothing else, right? I mean, listen, it comes to a place and it comes to a point well, we've got to ask and we've got to trust God. Period. I mean, we can't wrap ourselves in saran wrap. And I'm not saying by any means, please, nobody take this to mean that I'm saying we should be reckless, 
that we should not take into account what we are being told to do. But what I am saying is, after you've done all you can do, guess what? You still got to decide whether you're going to trust God or not. So watch what he says. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This idea of going out and coming in really refers to the daily activities of life. And, and you, you may have seen it if you've gone to the house of an Orthodox Jew, even here in this country. Uh, they will have on their doorposts, the right-hand doorpost, they will have what's called a mezuzah. And a mezuzah is a box, little box, and typically in that box, they will put the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, right? They'll put that in there. And an Orthodox Jew, when they come in that house, they'll touch the mezuzah because he's blessed me in my going in. And when they go out in the day, they go by that same box, and they'll touch that box. He's blessing me in my going out. And some will go so far as to put it on the doorposts of the rooms of the house. So when they go in the house, they go into their bedroom, and they bless when they go in their bedroom. And they're reminded that God is blessing them when they come out. Right? He says, the Lord will bless you. The Lord will bless you. He will keep you in your going out and your coming in. What a delight to know. What a reminder to know. Because I told you much of what we are going to talk about is not new information. It's just a reminder of what you already know. Just in case you've been going in and out so much that you have forgotten who's been blessing you and who's been keeping you and who's been enabling you to go in and out, the psalmist says, you better remember, it's the Lord that's blessed you in your going in and in your going out. It's the Lord that's blessed you in the fields. It's the Lord that's blessed you in the city. It's the Lord that's blessed you in your home. It's the Lord that's blessed you on your job. It's the Lord that's blessed you when you rise. It's the Lord that's blessed you when you lie down. It's the Lord that's blessed you to see a new day. It's the Lord that's blessed you to get to the end of your day. It's the Lord that's blessed you. And here's what I want you to know. Some people care, but they don't have the ability to keep. Some have the ability to keep, but they don't care. But the Bible says God cares and is able to keep. Psalm 18, verse 2. Let's read it together. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 1 Peter 5, 7. Let's read it together. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Psalm 73, verse 26, my health may fail and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. I want you to underline that phrase, but God remains. When everything else may fade around me, when everything else may be wanting within me, 
God remains. And I'm so glad that I serve a God who's in the keeping business. I, I don't know about you, but I'm glad that I serve a God who can keep me from, who can keep me through, who can keep me in whatever situation I find myself in. I'm glad we serve a God who is a very present help in the time of trouble. I'm glad we serve a God who is the source of our strength, the joy of our life. He's a blessing in bad times. He's comfort in the time of chaos. He's a deliverer out of difficult times. He is faithful even when we are faithless. He is help when we are helpless. He brings us joy. He gives us love. He's a keeper. He's a provider even when we're going through painful times. He's a way maker. Is there anybody in here who knows our God is able to give us the help we need? Somebody at home right now, somebody who's watching streaming, you need to celebrate right where you are that God is a keeper. You are being kept right now by the power of God. And today we celebrate. Today we, we experience firsthand the therapeutic nature of worship as we are reminded of who we are not and reminded of who God is. Man, I, I don't know about you, but it's, it's scary. It's scary when you can't control anything and other smart people can't control anything. Yeah, are y'all praying with me? I, I mean, look, man, when you're asking like the foremost virologist in the world, what do you think? Well, we just don't know. Huh? You mean you don't know? You have somebody talking who doesn't know, who act like they do know, and the folk who don't know are telling you they don't know. I, I, oh, Lord. What, what are we going to do? All we can do is trust in God. Amen. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Come on, somebody at home, give the Lord a hand of praise today. Everybody who can, everybody who will, stand on your feet. Minister Chris Johnson, I'm going to ask you to get ready to come and lead us in the, in the sinner's prayer, the prayer of salvation. Um, I'm, I'm doing this There are those who question what is called easy believism. And, and basically, the question of easy believism goes something like this. Well, you know, so you're saying all somebody has to do is ask Jesus Christ into their life, ask to be forgiven of their sins, and, and, and make that prayer by faith, and they're saved. Right, and then they say, "Well, well, what about how they live their lives?" And you know, they're gonna change their lives, and they go, you know, do all the things that Christians are supposed to do. Uh, and and the truth of the matter is, if, if if I'm accused of being a proponent of easy believism, then then I wear that mantle proudly. 
Because I believe salvation is by grace alone. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't think how you live determines whether or not you're saved. I think faith in Jesus determines whether or not you're saved. Because the truth of the matter is, even after salvation, all of us are on a progressive scale of sinner saint. Right? Like all of us, like we, we got more sin than saint. And we hopefully moving along the scale to get more saint than sin. But, we, but even at our best, this is still filthy rags in God's sight. Right? Um, so I want to first extend an invitation for somebody who's here in the building who may want to ask Jesus Christ into their life. If you're here today and you've never asked the Lord into your life, I want to give you an opportunity uh, because there's people who are here, um, deacons, officers, ministers, who would love to show you how to ask the Lord into your life. And then we're going to pray what was called the sinner's prayer. It's really the prayer of salvation. Um, because it might be somebody who's watching. And God has used this situation to get your attention. To get your attention. Uh, to slow you down enough to get your attention. Some of you have been so busy, you never had time to go to church on Sunday. God said, let me get your attention. Let me get your attention. You may not go, but you're going to watch. Right? Let, me get, let me get your attention. And if you're here today, I, I want you to know there's no greater move you can make than to say yes to Jesus Christ, than to make him Savior and Lord of your life, to allow him to take you from where you are and make something beautiful out of your life, more than what you get and acquire on the outside, who you are on the inside. God wants to make something beautiful out of your life. As we sing a song of invitation, those who are here, we invite you to come. Um, just make that step of faith if you want to come. Those of you who are streaming, uh, you can find information on how to ask Jesus Christ into your life on our website, on our church app. And you can make that decision and let us know. We're going to pray the prayer of salvation in just a moment. Stay with us. Don't go anywhere. But we're going to sing this song one time through. And if you're here, come on.
Amen. Pastor Chris Johnson. Hallelujah, everybody. Hallelujah, everybody. Amen. Amen. God is moving. Clarity in the midst of crisis. Here at Good Hope, we have a method that we use. One being the lowest on the scale, meaning that you recognize that you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Ten being the highest on the scale, representing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so right now, I'd like to ask everyone that you bow your heads. I'm going to ask a question. If you know without certainty, if you know that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, I want you to raise your hands, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. If you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, one being the lowest, ten being the highest. I see hands going up, hands going up. Now, if you are not sure, one being the lowest, ten being the highest, that you don't have a please raise your hand. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Any hands going up? Okay, okay. If you're unsure about your relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to offer you an opportunity to pray this prayer with me, the sinner's prayer. And we believe that after you pray this prayer, that by praying this prayer, God is going to accept you as you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. God, I want to turn away from my sinful life. I want to turn to the life that you have planned for me. God, please forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me now of my past. Make me new. God, I want to know your son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. God, I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead. At this very moment, I accept, I confess, and I proclaim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, we believe that if you prayed that prayer with us, that you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. God, we thank you for an opportunity to pray the sinner's prayer right now. And we would ask that if you just prayed that prayer with us, that you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and we thank you for praying that prayer with us. Amen? Amen. Man, we're grateful for the brother who came. We're grateful for the young man who came to the Lord today. Uh, yeah. Uh, this is a, he's a brother that we've been uh, working with our youth ministry, our community affairs ministry has been working with and praying with, and um, we're just grateful that he made a decision today to give his life to the Lord and become part of this church family. 
Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. All right. Good hope. It's time for the offering. Amen. We're going to prepare to worship the Lord in giving. Now, let me just share with you uh, a couple of things. One, for those of you who are streaming, man, thank you for helping us in our movement to become a smartphone church. Um, as you know, we offer online giving, have been um, for several years now. And there are six ways that you can give uh, here at the church. You can, of course, give uh, in the envelope if you want to give a check or cash. Uh, for those of you who may be streaming, you have some younger family members who set up your streaming. Um, if you want to do a uh, drive and drop, I heard one pastor say, uh, you can drive by during the week and you can leave your offering here. If you also want us to drive and pick up, uh, we will come. Amen. If you don't want to leave the house, we understand. Amen. Uh, we'll come and pick up if you have your offering and you want to worship the Lord in giving. And then there are, of course, several ways that you can worship the Lord electronically on our app, on our website. You can text to give. You can uh, use Givelify. You can also use Cash App. So if you're already uh, registered, let's say with Cash App, all you have to do is go to dollar sign Good Hope HTX, Good Hope Houston, Texas, and you can worship the Lord giving there. I don't want any more millennials mad at me that we have not allowed them to worship the Lord in giving. Amen. Amen. One of the millennials asked me, she said, Pastor, who, who complained? I want to know who did the fussing. Don't you worry about it. I'm just trying to make sure that they're good. Amen. Amen. Now, here's what we're going to do. Um, we don't have any announcements. As you know, um, no ministry activities this week, any meetings or anything you need to have. Please contact your ministry lead servant or your team leader. Um, we will be using electronic means of holding meetings. So if you have to meet with Zoom or any other technology, um, you will meet with your ministry groups in that way. I want us to take advantage of this downtime to do the planning that we need to do so that when this passes and this too will pass, that we will be able to come back more effectively prepared to minister to our society. Um, also want to let you know, don't forget, um, Tuesday at 4.30, um, volunteers, those of you who would like to come out, you can come and volunteer in putting the food baskets together for those who will be served on Wednesday at our food pantry. Food pantry uh, volunteers are here by noon and food pantry uh, service begins at two o'clock and from two to five. Uh, not sure if we're going to have our community empowerment event and this month our community empowerment event will be just another food giveaway. So we're still waiting to see what's going to happen with that. But I do want you to make sure if you haven't downloaded, how many of you have downloaded the app already? Okay, so if you haven't downloaded the app, please make sure that you do that. That is our primary tool to communicate with you what's going on at our church. So download the app, go to the app store. Um, and if you're not going to download the app because it's just too much of a commitment to put it on your phone, takes up too much space. I, I'm saying that because somebody said that to me. We don't download apps, Pastor. 
too much of a commitment. I'm like, I'm like wow, okay. So um, then just go to the website, all right? Uh, the information that's available on the website is also on the app. Make sure that you do that. Set it up so at least you get a notification when something new is posted, all right? So here's what we're going to do. Um, we're going to ask you to worship the Lord on your way out. Uh, we're going to ask the deacons, if they would, to just extend the basket. Um, just show them some love like that. Uh, Wakanda forever, whatever you want to do, right? But we want to practice social distancing. We'll have somebody at each door. So whatever door you want to go out, you should be able to uh, find somebody if you want to give them your envelope. Uh, otherwise, we'll trust you to worship the Lord in giving. Don't forget, it's our 148th church anniversary. And so you still have an opportunity to worship the Lord in giving in our 148th church anniversary. Um, and as folk who have a birthday on a Monday, but we're going to wait and celebrate it on the weekend, we're just going to wait and celebrate together as a church family when we all get back together. Amen. But those who would like to give, we certainly want to give you an opportunity to give. Thank you for allowing us, those of you who are streaming into your home, into your space. And I hope and pray that you've been blessed and encouraged today. Those of you who came, I hope today just helps you to go on a little bit longer and go a little bit further. And to encourage you to continue to keep your faith and trust in the Lord. All right? Let's stand on our feet and let's get ready to go down from this place. Remember, the life you save just may be somebody else's. Still want to practice social distancing. You may be asymptomatic. You may have already contracted the disease, but you want to make sure you don't give it to somebody else who's in a weakened state or has a weakened immune system. And so we want to be prayerful in all of our interaction and loving in all of our care and concern. Great to see Brother Ron Ward back home. Yeah, he got stuck over in Israel with a group. And uh, I know he was glad to get back. Boy, you, when you, man, when you get stuck out of the country like that, I, I'm telling you, you, man, when you hit American soil, you just want to kiss the ground. You just, I don't care what we say about this country, brother. I'm telling you, when you get you gone and it don't look like you're going to get back, when you get back, you'll be like, yes, Lord, thank you, Jesus. You're going to a holy dance right there in the airport. Yeah. So we're glad that he made it back and all of the team made it back that was on that trip as well. All right. Amen. Don't forget to pray for Sister Nikita Harmon. We give shout out to her today. Let her know that we're praying for her. Her sister passed away. And uh, man, just a great, great sister in the Lord. And Nikita's been a part of our church family for many years. She's a judge. You remember she ran for judge and won. And her sister passed away. She had been ill for some time. And we want to cover her in prayer. And the family's just in the midst of everything that's going on. Funeral directors and funeral homes have changed their policy. And so now they're only doing gravesite ceremonies and they're only having ceremonies for a very small group of the family members. And it can only last 15 to 30 minutes. And so, you know, the family's really trying to be prayerful about how to do this celebration of her life. And they want to hold her out, but, you know, how long is that going to be? And there are a lot of families who are going through that right now. Um, these are difficult times. These are challenging times. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, we have to trust God. Amen. Amen. All right, let's look to the Lord. Don't forget, worship the Lord on your way out. 
put your offering in the basket. If there's a basket by the door, uh, just drop it off in the basket on the way out. And if you worship the Lord in giving online, thank you so much. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for today. We pray now as we leave this place, we would never leave your presence. Thank you for keeping us because we know if you keep us, we will be kept. And whatever comes our way, we pray that through it all, we will trust you. We pray for our country. We pray for our leadership. We pray for our president, for our governor, for our mayor, for all who are in leadership and all of those around the country who are making decisions that will affect millions. We pray, God, that you will stem the tide of this pestilence, of this disease that's in the land. We pray for those who are in need of treatment, those who are receiving treatment. We pray for their recovery right now in the name of Jesus. We ask you to touch the hands and hearts and minds of doctors and nurses. We pray for even the process of finding a cure that God, you would intervene as only you can, that it would be declared a miracle, so much so that nobody can take credit for it except you. We thank you, God, and where our prayers fall short, we ask you to make up the difference. Give us traveling grace as we leave this place, but never to leave your presence. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let all of God's people say amen. God bless you. Listen, don't give anybody a hug. Just... Tap the chest, show them some love, wave at them, Wakanda forever, whatever it is. God bless you. God be with you.